I mean, all you need is one, one positive person to keep that light shining with you where when you're down, they pull you back up. When they're down, you pull them back up. You just need one person and you can do so much in this world. From the moment you wake up to the moment your head hits the pillow, this is the It's All Day Podcast. Your home for knowledge and inspiration about fitness, nutrition, and the mentality behind what it takes to be great. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the It's All Day podcast. Today, I am with one of my own coaches. I am with Hayden Wickers. That's how you say it, right? Yeah. Okay, because I listened to a different podcast, and once he said your last name, I was like, oh, I never knew that's how his name was actually said. So, Hayden, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you coming on and talking with us for a little bit of time here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's good to be on podcasts and get my yeah, brain picked dude. apart. <laughs> yeah so I kind of just wanted to for people who don't know who you are kind of give them just a brief spiel about who you are what you do and all that kind of stuff yeah so I was one of Chris's mentors in IFCA and I solely focused in the sales department so I was teaching his, him subconscious communication tonality body language readings and just how to really hold a conversation without being a salesy douchebag yeah so <clears throat> ifca if you guys don't know is the mentorship group that i was in hayden was the very first person that i talked to i had no idea who hayden was when i first hopped on the call with him but i did know like as soon as i did hop on i was like all right this is a this is a cool guy he seems very chill very low-key um and i guess the first question i would even kind of have for you is like you're 26 you're my age and yet it seems like you're 32 um you have like a, a lot of wisdom behind your own age um but like what for people who don't know like what do you do now because you obviously you handle sales calls and whatnot but there's more to it than that um and then also like what did you maybe start with what you did the backstory of, to get to where you are now like what were all the different jobs? What were all the different, like what's the timeline looking like um, to get to where you are now? So I got kicked out of college. And when I got kicked out of college, um, I had a criminal history that would not allow me to get real jobs. Um, so I got into road construction and that freaking sucked and it was miserable and I come from a home building family so then I started framing with one of my uncles and it was actually it was a good trade to learn but the hours and living in Utah and putting up walls and negative seven degrees was not fun um so from there I became a superintendent in construction and I started building like churches and temples for the LDS church and the people in there, <laughs> they were just dick bags. Like the owners, they were the nicest guys. They're super hypocritical. And so I was like, you know what? There's gotta be something outside of construction that a felon can do. Like there's gotta be something. So I 
one of my buddies was actually doing door-to-door sales and for a pest control company and i was like that sounds miserable but i would rather do that than going to construction so i started knocking doors um the first gosh three to four weeks i didn't sell one and i was ready to go home yeah and, and before you before you keep going like how old are you at this time 21 okay 22. 21 22 and i just i was done dude getting told the f off all day like go get a real job like you're trespassing so many things that not being close to home no friends just me and myself and i and just like the management didn't teach me how to sell they didn't teach me I got my first order experience. It was honestly so shitty. <laughs> and so my manager in the branch, when I told him I wanted to go home, I was like, this ain't worth it. He was like, you're a football player. I was like, yeah. And he's like, treat the doors as if by the end of the day, if you could sell three to four, it's like you're working out, you're progressing your craft better. And quit looking at it as like, I want to talk to the least amount of people and get the most sales. He's like, treat it as if I needed to talk to the most people so I can get three to four laid ins. I was like, so like battleship, like just the more it's a numbers game, like the more doors I hit, the more people I can sell. But in reality, it's the more doors I hit, the more easy <laughs> ones I can do. Cause I'm not good. And he was just like, yeah, basically that next week I sold 21 in the week. And I, from there didn't go under 17 through the rest of the summer and became the number one sales rep in the company. So that's pretty sweet. Like what it sounds so easy to just be like, think of it as battleships and think of it as numbers, but like, what did you have to do? Was there like a mentality shift that happened as you started going to knock on those doors that really allows you to go from zero to 21 Honestly, he checked my ego. <laughs> it was one of those where I've kind of been the hot shot growing up my whole entire life in football. From the time I was 11 years old, everyone knew who I was. And as a little kid, you'd see me in the grocery store. They'd be like, oh, that's Aiden Wickers, a football kid. Mm-hmm. And so when you get out into the real world and the, that shit doesn't matter anymore, and nobody cares about your social status, it's like, prick. And so... That next morning I woke up and I was like, look, if I have to knock 600 doors to get two cells, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm sick and tired of being last. And so I kind of just let my competitiveness and you're an athlete, you know, that it's the second you kick somebody's competitiveness to the curb and it's like, you challenge it. You don't want to get in that person's way if they're really competitive. And so I just took it to heart to be like, if I have to knock till 10 o'clock at night, just to make sure I am not dead last anymore, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. That it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even for me, when it came to going into business, when I first started, I don't know if I was as well known as you. I kind of went through that first ego check in college when I was the shit kind of in high school. I was the kid who went to go play college. And then once I went to college, my first three years, I sat on the bench mm-hmm. and I was not used to sitting on the bench and it really sucked. And it absolutely destroyed my identity of who I was. And then as I kind of 
got over that, got stronger, got better than was able to play my last two years. I like evolved kind of as a person. Mm-hmm. And then once I got out of college, was working across a gym, that was no real problem. But once I went online and started doing my own business, it was that same ego check of like, all right, like nobody cares if you played soccer in college. Nobody really cares if you were a CrossFit coach. Business is business. And if you're good, you're good. And if you're not, you're not. And I've definitely gone through ups and downs where like things have gone well. And then things have gotten to the point where I'm like, I am sick and tired of not being good at this. I am so annoyed that I haven't been able to figure this out because I'm just like you, I'm very competitive. And when I get to the point where I'm just sick and tired of it, that's when I really have just stupid amount of energy. And it's like, nothing's going to get in my way because I hate losing. So that makes a lot of sense with you being able to kind of tap into your competitive side. There was another question that I even had with that. Um, You're a really quiet, calm, spoken person. But I know when it comes to athletes, usually the guys who are very like quiet and calm outside of the game and outside of their sport and just like their day-to-day life when they're going to class, all that kind of stuff are usually the guys that are like absolute savages on the field. And like that monster inside of them comes out. Was that you when you played sports? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was an asshole. On the yeah, field, for sure. I could totally yeah. see that. And do you think, I know there's a, you know who Jordan Peterson is? Mm-hmm. So there's a part where he kind of talks about how he feels like every man should become a monster and how every man should really tap into that monstrous side of himself. And then once he does tap into that monster side of himself, be able to control that monster and then always kind of have it at his side whenever he needs him. Mm-hmm. Did you, were you able to kind of cultivate that through sports and then bring that into your business life? Um, a little bit, a little, okay. it's that monster side of me is not nice. Yeah. So I, if you get me really competitive, you see a side of me that nobody wants to see. Like, I don't care if your family, like I'll put you six feet in the ground. Like, I don't care. Hmm. You don't challenge my competitiveness. And like, I don't even care if I'm not good at the sport. Like I'll beat you and I will find a way if I have yeah. to low key cheat. Cause I don't know the rules. I, to me, I'm not cheating. So like I will win. And so when it comes to business, like there's a side of me that, yeah, I've, kind of channeled that a little bit but business is very black and white the people Mm -hmm. that cross lines and do sleazy stuff and kind of try to manipulate certain things when they know that they probably could but they shouldn't that karma and businessman will come full circle so fast and that's why i i preach hard on teaching you how to communicate teaching you how to sell without putting someone in a corner and using them as a boxing bag and like i'm this great objection handler it's like well because you suck at sales you don't know how to sell you have to roll through 30 objections at the end it's you're not a good salesman Mm -hmm. and so i use a little bit especially starting a new business i would say i challenge that and pull it out of me a little bit to kind of kick it into overdrive stay up late like channel that competitiveness to create something out of nothing but once it's going i try to suppress it as much as i can because yeah my competitiveness gets ugly sometimes yeah (laughs) 
So as you were, so 17, kind of after college in a 21, you started the construction, then you did door-to-door sales. What was next kind of in your storyline of business life after the door-to-door sales with pest control? Um, so after door-to-door, I had the opportunity to do sales with Jarek Robbins, Tony Robbins' son. Okay. And um, Ben Gower got us in line with him. And honestly, it was not the best experience. Um, the leads were horrible. Jarek could have cared less about it. He was like, this is a passion project. Let you guys man the helm. We tried. There was just the worst communication I've ever had in the online space. Um, so from there, I joined Sterling Griffin's program with my wife. And we started building our own personal training brand. And as we started building that together, my wife's side took off and mine didn't. Um, and at the same exact time, I started a Christmas light company. Um, so I was like, peace out, online world. I'm going to start a Christmas light company. And so I started a Christmas light company, went zero to six figures pretty quick. And the second year of running that, I started a pool cleaning business. And Jordan and Aaron of IFCA, the owners, reached out to me at like the exact same time. And I was like, yo, I've got way too much on my plate. Sorry. Don't even know how you found out about me, but I can't help you. And so I kept doing my thing, kept creating in-person businesses, trading time for money, which I was making a lot of money. So I didn't really care. And I had a lot of money saved up from door to door. And that next year of Christmas lights, they reached out to me again and they were like, yo, dude, like we need help. I'm like, sorry, Christmas lights season, don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and then Jordan and I reached out to me again in February and we're like, yo, dude, like we need your help. Like, let's get on the phone. And I was like, sure. So I got on the phone with them and I did sales for their fitness program. And I kind of blew their socks off with my clothes ratio and things that I did there that they were like, oh, shoot, like let's do sales into our business mentorship. And so I sold um, into their business mentorship and doubled the number that they gave me that they wanted to go after. And then from there, it's history. Like I've been with Jordan and Aaron ever since. I've turned into a coach and a mentor and not just the sales dude that slings deals. And that brings us to today. Yeah. So do you still have the other businesses that you did before you went kind of full-time with Jordan and Aaron? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. So how do you manage all that? Cause as a 26 year old, even myself thinking like, all right, Chris, you've got what, like 12 to 15 clients. You, I just moved into a new place and now I'm starting to coach some of my friends and some of my family members kind of in the garage gym. So now I've got some of my hours put there talking to a girl trying to do online and trying to go to the gym and get ready for my next physique show. And even now I'm like, man, imagine if I had 10 more clients, how much more stressful that would be. And yet here you are same age, two to three different businesses, probably coaching more people than I'm coaching. And yet you're cool as a cucumber. Like (laughs) what, what was that like development stage for you and being able to kind of manage that many moving parts um to be where you are right now um 
honestly, I mean, I don't show it. I mean, I get pretty stressed at times. I'm just really good at hiding my emotions. Um, but I just try to stay organized as possible and time block my day out to where if I'm, if I'm on calls for IFCA, everything is blocked out. If I need to get certain things done in other areas of my businesses, I make sure that I block it out and like no offense or buts. If an IFCA gets scheduled somehow, like I text Caitlin, I'm like, yo, you gotta take this off my calendar. Like I don't let anything intertwine with other businesses and never mm -hmm. cross schedules unless it's an emergency. Um, if something hits the fan and my wife needs me with my kid, then I'll drop all anything and like make sure because I always do family first no matter what. But I just try to stay as organized as possible and stick to my schedule and like stick to my word. If I tell someone I'm going to go to lunch with them, like if even if something happens, like I have to show up. Like I always try to just make sure that I'm sticking true to who I am and not just trying to make sure people are happy I want to keep myself happy and I think what keeps me cool as a cucumber through all of it even though some of it gets stressful is like I matured very quick yeah <laughs> unfortunately and going to jail at 19 years old and it's a it was a federal jail and so there were people in there for assisted homicide grand theft auto like some of the biggest narcotic slingers in Utah for heroin and cocaine. Like they've been in and out of prison for their whole life. They're 50, 60 years old. And they're like, I've been in prison since I'm 18. And they think they're tough as shit. And they think they're so cool. I'm like, what the hell? And so I think going through that and seeing all of that and going to jail when it was all 100% out of my control and I did nothing, I was guilty by association and I got run through the ringer and just seeing that like when it's out of your control like why stress why yeah. stress when you can't control the uncontrollable and so growing businesses there's a lot of things that come your way that are 100 out of control you can't control it no matter what someone gets covid and they lose their whole bank account and now they can't pay you as a client you're like Shit. i was looking for that money but when it's all said and done it's like you can't control that and so I think just accepting that if you can't control it, don't stress, no matter what, just try to find a solution. And if you can't find a solution, just shrug it off. And I think that's what helps me manage multiple things at once is if things go wrong, I just kind of go, ah, shit. All right. That sucks. Let's figure a solution. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about the, kind of the backstory of what happened with you going to jail and all that kind of stuff. Are you able to talk about that stuff? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I kind of got stuck in a weird predicament without knowing it. Um, I thought we were going to a party. And so I took a bunch of kids to a party supposedly and we're driving down Main Street in a college town, and they all jumped out and ran into a motel. And I was like, what the crap is going on here? And so I pull onto the property, text them, calling them. None of them are answering my text calls. One dude finally texted me back. He's like, give us 30 to 45 minutes. And I was like, no, this is weird. Like, I'm out. 
I was like, I'll give somebody else my keys. You guys just let me know who I need to give my keys to. They can come back and get you. Two and a half weeks later, I get a call from the cop saying I'll be a huge lead on this investigation. And I'm like, hmm. I knew one kid on the team sold a lot of marijuana and he coincidentally lived in my house. So I was like, that's probably what it's about. I'm like, do I write them out? Do I not write them out? They're like, my name's on the lease. So technically I gotta protect myself. Like all these thoughts are falling through my head. <laughs> Get into the investigation room. They like throw all these papers down and they're like, you're gonna be charged with rape, forcible rape, sodomy, forcible sodomy, sexual battery, distribution of marijuana, solicitation, prostitution, and criminal trespassing. And I'm like, huh, for what? I didn't do anything. And they were like, we need a DNA sample. You got a piss test. You got to do this, 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 this. And I was like, what do you have a court order for? They're like, your DNA. And I was like, okay. So I gave them my DNA. I was like, Does it, am I being detained? Am I being like anything like that? They're like, nope, but we need answers. I'm like, well, you're not getting anything from me. I was like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So I called my mom and I was like, you're going to be pissed. But I think I'm going to jail for something I didn't do. And we just got to get attorneys. Like everything will be fine um and yeah i basically was the poster child for something i never did unfortunately and i got pulled all the charges did get dropped except for distribution of marijuana class three felony and solicitation prostitution and criminal trespassing um and how i was linked to it was a kid used my phone to order the prostitute and i had no idea so there's text message of him getting coordinates and setting everything up and then they deleted everything out of my phone like I had no idea so it looks like I set up the whole operation but mm. when my DNA was not found in the hotel room I was scotch-free okay Thank that's you. crazy dude that yeah. I mean and you were 19 mm -hmm. was this your freshman sophomore year of college uh sophomore going into my junior year okay so sophomore going into your junior year when all that happened obviously you got kicked off football team you weren't allowed to go to back to the school nope. okay so when all that happened and obviously you know it's nothing to do with you and yet the whole social perception is it is to do with you and it's because of you how were you able to, and obviously it's not an easy answer, but like, what did you do? And like, what did it look like for you to be able to bounce back from this whole event kind of at 19? And like, how long did that recovery process look for you? Well, honestly, none. There's no bounce back. There's no recovery process. I, my family took a toll more than I did because I knew okay. I was innocent. So I was actually the smiling face of the family. I was the one that would always try to step into the social media warriors, those lovely keyboard dumbasses. <laughs> and so I deleted my Instagram, my Facebook, also some social media. Um, if anything was ever posted, I had like an alias account of me. I would just go in and like delete it off my parents' profiles. And like, I was like, the stronghold of our family that kept our family together because I knew mm -hmm. I was innocent and I knew my family would take more of the heat than I would. Mm -hmm. So I was just this happy, smiley face. I'd see people in 
the grocery store and the mall and they're like holy shit they like they literally point at me they'd be like it's him like what's up guys like super happy just like I acted like nothing ever happened and I think that's what also helped me mature was like seeing my face on ESPN and it's like Hayden Wickers Mormon from Utah drugging a prostitute I'm like great like all my friends that are on their missions are like texting me what the hell happened like emailing me trying to get one-off phone calls so I think for me it was more or less just like calming everyone else's nerves and helping their recovery process and not necessarily mine because to me like I know I'm innocent so it never really affected me yeah that makes sense I know I mean a a similar ish story when I was in college it was more nothing to do with the drugs or anything like that but like there was one time me and my friends my freshman year I was a dick my freshman year I like did not know how to handle the fact that I wasn't starting so I would just go out to drink. I would party. I'd be like, it doesn't matter. I'm not playing. So who cares if I'm a little bit hungover on game day? I'm not going in. Um, and there was one time my buddy brought his teammate, his friend from like a different college. And he went to a grocery store and bought eggs. And we were like egging different buildings in the college. We were egging cars while we were drunk, just kind of being stupid. And I parked my car in the freshman parking lot. Security kind of pulled up and they're like, hey, somebody's been egging a lot of people's cars and buildings. Do you have any idea who did it? And I was like, I have no idea, sir. I don't know who it could have been. I'm just trying to go to my room. And he's like, well, you got a lot of eggshells around your car. Do you have any idea? And I was like, no, I don't. He goes on his little walkie talkie and he's like, well, we've got video proof of you going into the 7-Eleven right next to campus buying eggs. So is there anything you'd like to say? And I knew he was lying because I didn't go into the store to buy any eggs. My buddy's friend did. And because of the fact I knew he was lying, I lit, I didn't care anything. He says like, oh, that's so crazy, officer. Can you show me the video? Because I know for a fact I didn't buy shit. And then he got super pissy and then drove off. But like, just when you know that you're innocent in a situation, even though people are trying to put the blame on you. I was wondering at first, like how you might've dealt with the judgment of this whole thing, but knowing that you really had nothing to do with it, it probably, you're probably similar to me where you almost were like, you're like, no, I'll, I'll clap right back, dude. I'm ready to have the conversation. If you want to, I know that I'm innocent. Um, oh, yeah. Did that put a chip on your shoulder to prove yourself to anybody in any way? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a pretty big chip on my shoulder and that's one of the reasons why I moved out of Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just tired of it. And I knew the second I got married, I was like, there's probably going to be a lot of people messaging my wife and just being like, hey, do you, your husband's not who he says he is. Like, do you know this stuff about your husband? He probably tried to hide this from you when in reality, I told her on our first date. I'm like, hey, if you don't want to date after this, like, I understand my situation's weird and your parents will probably judge me, but it's cool. She's like, you doing that shit anymore i'm like nope she's like all right she's like we're good i'm like all right cool so i i do have a chip on my shoulder to prove to the whole state of utah that like i'm not who i say i am portrayed to be mm-hmm. and so i'm kind of just working in the i guess the background and just staying quiet I don't post a lot of like my success and business and I don't share much um 
but once once a few things happen i'm gonna start posting a lot of it to rub it all in their face yeah which i, I think he, for a i bit. think you probably deserve <laughs> to do a little bit of that um <laughs> but that's really cool man i you know part of the reason i really wanted to bring you on the show is you know most of the guys that i work with are guys and just being able to interview other other men and whatnot who have been able to be successful even going through the adversity that you did you know at 19 it makes sense of you know going to jail you know when i almost got my dui my freshman year of college and i had to go to a meetings and i had to go to na meetings and i had to do 40 hours community service all of that humbled me a lot and matured me a lot uh it wasn't until at first, like I went to AA meetings and I did the community service and I was still super in my ego. And I was still like, this is not my fault. This is stupid. Cops a bitch for pulling me over. I didn't even do anything <laughs> wrong. I was, I wasn't even driving. Technically I was in a McDonald's drive through the car was parked, making up like every excuse in the world. And it wasn't until I was in the NA meetings for Narcotics Anonymous and everyone's telling their little story. I tell mine angrily and bitter. And the person next to me is like, yeah, I, uh, I'm addicted to ketamine and I've been doing K holes like nonstop and I can't stop. And I remember like scooching my chair over like a couple feet being terrified because I'd never heard of ketamine. All I knew there was a horse tranquilizer. I'm like, this guy's addicted to horse tranquilizers. And it was like a huge wake up moment for me of like, Chris, what are you doing? Like, you're a really, like, you're a good kid. You play sports. You get decent grades. You're not a bad guy. You should not be in NA meetings with guys who are addicted to ketamine. You can't, you can't make excuses out of this. Like, you need to wake the fuck up. You need to actually start doing some shit. And I'm sure going to jail for you is 10 times more uh, intense than what I had to go through with those NA meetings. Um, and I just wanted to bring you on here to kind of have other guys hear your story and kind of hear what you've been able to kind of turn things around even though you know your entire state for the most part portrayed this picture of you as this person that you were not um so like what what advice would you have to guys that are kind of our age on trying to build their confidence when you know they might not have gone through a lot of the same struggles that we went through but I know a lot of guys our age that are relatively low on confidence when it comes to building something for themselves. And a lot of them will kind of follow that traditional route. They'll go to college, they'll get a nine to five job because it's safe. They'll get a 401k and then they'll work for 30 or 40 years just to retire. And, you know, I have friends that even when I train them, they come to the garage and I'm like, how's it going? They're like, you know, Mondays fucking suck. My boss is a dick, hate my job, but you know, I got to pay the bills. And, you know, they might not believe that they can build something themselves. And yet you did it after a really tough time getting kicked out of college, not being able to graduate. And here you are with three to four businesses making multiple six figures. You know, how, what advice do you have for those guys who are trying to build the confidence to believe that they can build something for themselves? Honestly, The, bit, uh, the biggest thing that's helped me in my life is stay true to who you are. If you're passionate about something, 
find a problem with that passion and create the solution. And a lot of times in life, we get so scared because we don't want to fail. Nobody wants to fail. And the best thing that could ever happen to somebody trying to get out of the societal norm is to fail. You need to fall flat on your face to realize that you're human. Because the more comfortable you are in your life, your life will never change. It was so uncomfortable for me to get on the doors when I've never had to sell or speak to anyone in my life to persuade them to do something. And I felt flat on my face, like flat on my face. There wasn't one that I got even close to selling until I had that mindset switch to go through the repetition, to go through the process and trust it, even though I had no idea what I was doing. And if you can push through the hard times of adversity, the you just have you can't give in. And the society nowadays is like, give up. Why work? Collect welfare. Like go to go to work. Just just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Like we're being consumed by laziness. And so to work hard, to not play video games, to create a life yourself that could be fruitious and financially abundant is not sexy Mm -hmm. the the fast cars the hot girls the popping bottles at bars those people are broke as a joke like most people that do that what comes in they spend and if we were to get hit by recession they wouldn't survive like you need to put yourself in a situation to where it may be very challenging and you may have to read a lot of books. You may have to do a lot of research to find a solution for something that you would be willing to stay up late to create a side hustle with. You have to do it. No offense or buts. Like if you want to get out of your job that you hate, your boss is a dick. You're looking forward to the weekends. And then every Monday you're like, fuck, it's Monday. Here we go again. Like find something you're passionate about stay up late, study it, figure out how you can pull a hundred dollars a month, a hundred dollars a day, a hundred dollars a week, something that can get something else to create momentum in your life and stay positive. Don't let your family talk you out of it. Don't let your friends talk you out of it. Don't let anybody that doesn't, or anybody that isn't in a situation where you would like to be, don't let them persuade you to do anything. Like respect your family, respect your elders, but if they're not in the situation where you want to be in 10 years, let it go in one year and go out the other. A lot of people that dreamt of being in that situation and now they're not there and you go to them for advice and it's like, oh, I want to start my own business. So like, oh, good luck with that. I tried to start three and fell flat on my face. You never know if that person would have started four, that fourth business could have turned him into a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Like, never give up trying to get out of the societal norm because you never know what's actually going to set you forward. You never know. You never know what's going to be that one aha moment that turns you into an overnight success. You never know. Like I never knew that I would own a Christmas light business that would make multiple six figures in one month. Yeah. One month. I work for 45 days and I profit about 185,000. That's nuts. I bought a $10 ebook on Google. 
a $10 ebook on Google. And it turned into a lucrative business. My mm -hmm. pool cleaning business. I saw that property management companies flip through pool cleaners. And I was like, I create a relationship with a pool cleaning or a property management company. I could have hundreds of clients at the blink of an eye. I'm like, hmm. Wait, called around, found a few property management companies that were not having good relationships with their pool cleaning guys. And they're like, hey, sick. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it. They're like, are you bonded? Are you certified? Are, do you have your test? I'm like, yeah. They're like, all right, you can start in a month. I'm like, shit. So I had to hurry and go take tests. I had to hurry and go get all this stuff. Like, and it cost me $500 mm -hmm. when it was all said and done. And I took, I would go to the pool. I'd scoop it out. I'd take it to Leslie Pools. Be like, what chemicals does this need? They're like, this, this, and this. Sick. How much? This much. All right, thanks. Like, Leslie Pools will tell you exactly what to put in the pool. I'd run back. I'd throw all it in, mix it around, make sure the pool looked clean, and I was out. And now I have somebody else doing it for me, and I bring in about like fourteen thousand for doing nothing, and that's all mm -hmm. profit. Yeah. Nothing. And so, I. Is that pool cleaning business sexy? No. Is Chris's light business sexy? No. It's not the facade of the Instagram world of you make a quick buck trading Forex, which I do trade Forex and make a lot of money from, but I don't show it because you don't beat the market every day. You don't have green days every single day. And am I in crypto? Yes. Do I have NFTs? Yes. But it's like, don't, look for quick cash if you have liquidity to spend yeah invest a little bit in the stocks invest a little bit in hfx or frx or bitcoin or nfts like yeah but if you're trying to get out of the nine to five find something simple that you can just add value to and run with it google has so many ways to make money it's stupid stupid pfeiffer you could put up a freelance post and make an extra $500 a week if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. Google will give you certifications. If you go into Google's backend, which most people don't know this, you can get Google ad YouTube certified and you can post your own ad in Pfeiffer and charge a hundred bucks an hour to build YouTube ads for somebody else. Google will certify you. Google will train you and it's, Free. The reason why people don't get out of their nine to fives is because they're lazy as shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you like, that's dope, dude. The fact that you've been able to figure out that many different things and the fact that it's not sexy. I know so many people immediately would be like, nah, I don't want to do Christmas lights. I don't want to, I don't want to clean pools. Like that's not fun. How do I post anything about that? Nobody's going to care about that. And yet here you are absolutely crushing it. Um, when you started that and you were kind of, you know, when you talk about moving out of Utah, what was it for you? You know, when you got out of the issue with the jail and starting your own businesses and everything, at what point did you realize like, I need to leave this location. I need to leave where I'm at. I need to leave my friend groups. I know you've talked about different podcasts. Like you still have friends that you've known since you've like been really, really young but you barely talk to them because you just knew that those guys weren't going to have the same drive. They weren't going to want to do the same things you wanted to do. And like, how 
difficult was that for you to detach from your friend group you've had growing up your entire life to go be the anomaly to go be the guy the outlier that everyone else is probably like, what the fuck is Hayden doing like why is he doing this shit like, it makes no sense what an idiot and like how did you deal with that or like was it difficult for you to move and kind of go on your own it's actually pretty easy um because my wife was on board okay if I didn't have a super supportive spouse it probably would have been a little bit more difficult um I mean, a lot of my friends, we had group texts going. And so when I moved to Arizona, like we had a Snapchat group and like they would always snap me them golfing or going doing and like trying to make me jealous of like, oh, I'm not here anymore. You could be doing this. And like the first year it was tough. Um, but year two down here in Arizona, when I started making six figures and all my friends are still in, in college trying to get their degrees and then I'm posting things of me and my wife traveling. I'm posting us buying new cars. I'm posting us like doing our own stuff. Then they're like, oh, what are you doing, dude? I'm like, don't worry about it. They're like, but it looks like you're making a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. And so the second you start to make it, then they start reaching. They start asking for advice. So what are you doing here? What are you doing there? And then I just slowly just, it's like, yeah, you guys aren't ever going to do anything with this. So, I mean, I still talk to them time to time, but every time I go to Utah, they for sure want to see me. And it's funny. They always ask me for money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so that does, I mean, that even answers another question I had was just kind of wondering like, was this journey for you? Did it ever get lonely, but having your wife being super supportive and kind of being around you, I'm sure was like your rock during this entire time. Cause I'm sure it wasn't all smooth sailing, building these businesses and having the ups and downs and having her, her business was the online coaching, right? Mm -hmm. yeah so she was always there in case maybe your business wasn't doing amazing she was still able to support you guys in that situation or vice versa oh yeah yeah so my wife had online coaching and then she actually worked at an ophthalmology clinic as well okay. while I was doing door-to-door -door and like trying to build side hustles and figure it out and so she she honestly has been amazing like our first year of marriage we had more going out than we had coming in and there were months that we were like how the hell are we about to pay bills and like we always made it happen I, I would always hustle just a little bit harder on the doors to make sure that we were getting things by and yeah that first year was rough but it it helped set us up to where once we started making money we still lived below our means for that first year we made six figures and then once we started making multiple six figures we were like okay like this is this is legit and now that we we're on the verge of breaking seven figures it's like we don't live that lifestyle we don't show that lifestyle like we don't ever want people to know we have that much money mm -hmm. and we just like yeah we'll have toys yeah we'll have things but it's low-key like if you can find a supportive girlfriend that would literally stand by your side through thick or thin while you're poor they'll be there when you're rich mm -hmm. but if you find a girl that only like all of a sudden you start making money and like you've had communication with her and then she pops into your life now that like holy shit like chris now has money or whoever comes in it's like red flags like no no no, no. like if, if you knew me through the struggles and you weren't there to be by my side like why should i let you stand by my side while i'm at the top mm-hmm so if you can find a supportive best friend, if you can 
find a very supportive person to latch onto that has the same goals and ambitions. Like she has ambitions to make just as much money as me, if not more. And so it just, it just helps align our house to always stay positive, no matter what, like if things are getting tough, like we're always supportive. We're always positive. We're always looking on the positive aspect of everything. No offense or buts. Like we keep all negativity out of our house. If friends come over, the friends that we have down here and they're negative, like get out. Like we don't, we don't talk negativity in this house. Like it's all positive, no matter what, even no matter what, no matter what someone in our family could die. We'll stay positive about it. Like no offense or buts. We'll have our grieving. We'll be sad, but like you still have to look on a positive outlook on life because it takes one negative thought to turn it into a negative week, to a negative month, to a negative year. And it's the negativity is so much stronger than positivity. So the more people around you that you can find in positivity, I mean, all you need is one, one positive person to keep that light shining with you to where when you're down, they pull you back up. When they're down, you pull them back up. You just need one person and you can do so much in this world. So yeah. much. Yeah. There's a, a performance coach. I think his name's Trevor Moad. He works for different uh, football teams. And he, there's a study they did and they found that negativity is four X stronger than positivity. If you think it, and then if you speak it, it's then 10 X that. So it's 40 X stronger than positivity. If you speak negative thoughts out loud. So they do a ton of work with their football players to instill the fact that they never let their players speak any negative things out loud, whether it's during practice, during games, during uh, tournaments or playoffs because they know how much of an impact that has on their entire team's mentality. So it makes sense that, you know, you, your wife, you're now your kid, your little baby girl, you guys are your own team and making sure that your household never lets that negativity seep in um, because it has such an effect. Oh yeah. There's no so, way you guys, you can't do it. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do it. Yeah. So what with, so you and your wife, how long have you guys been married? Four years. Four years. Okay. You guys were married four years. You guys just had a baby girl a year ago. Almost. Yeah. Almost, Almost a year ago, which is pretty cool. Um, how did life change for you with regards, again, you know, three to four businesses, you guys have plenty of things going on. Now you've got a little baby that needs attention 24 seven. How are you guys? And you could both have businesses. You know, it's not like she's just a stay-at-home wife. She's got her own stuff that she's got to do as well. How were you guys able to handle having that little baby girl in your guys' lives? My wife's a superwoman. So she lets me get all the stuff done throughout the day. And if she needs to do anything, we just we just schedule it between each other and say, Hey, at these hours, I have to do X, I, and Z. So you have to watch her. And I just move my schedule around. And so it really comes down to just some really, really good communication. Mm -hmm. So we're just, we're always on the same page. We're always about a day ahead and making sure that nothing crosses toward it's like, who's watching her. So it just, we're, we're best friends and we just happen to be married is what it is. <laughs> Uh, the best combo you can get yeah. um yeah. so with your daughter you know as you know children learn from watching their parents grow up their entire lives for the most part that's where they learn a lot of their own subconscious traits and patterns and behaviors 
what personality traits or like what are you looking to instill in your daughter as she grows up when she watches daddy do his job and do his work and live his life um unwavering confidence in herself and her abilities no matter what people say um i'm gonna instill her to be very grateful um, very humble um just make sure that she always knows that like family first no matter what family will always be there friends float by um and don't don't ever take the little moments for granted always just live in the moment don't get consumed by this crazy world that we live in and just stay true to who you are because the more more true you can stay to who you are and who your personality is and what are your strengths what are your weaknesses it allows you to be fully confident in yourself and not to let imposter syndrome creep in and yeah those negative negative thoughts so the more that i can teach her that it's okay not to be perfect at everything since this whole world is built around a highlight reel on Instagram and just trying to show her that the, the secrets of the mind are so powerful and just, just staying humble and true, honestly. Yeah, that's great, dude. I mean, with, you know, diving into, I think imposter syndrome is a big one and something I wanted to ask you, you know, I feel like when it comes to imposter syndrome and people, if you don't know what that is, it's basically when you're trying to do something new at the very beginning stage of it, you feel like an imposter because you have no experience in doing it. You know, when Hayden first started being a door-to-door salesman, if he walked up to the door saying he's the number one salesman in the team, knowing that he's not, there's a little bit of fear. There's a little bit of anxiety there's a disconnect between what he's saying and what he knows to be true. So this imposter syndrome kind of pops up. Um, and when it comes to online coaching, you know, even for me and you, I feel like there's two types of imposter syndrome or there's two stages. And the first one obviously comes up when you have to first sell a potential client on wanting to work with you. When you first start, you might feel like, Oh my God, I got to ask this person for this amount of money. Am I good enough to coach this person? Are they going to want to say yes? Are they going to think I'm crazy? And I know for me personally, kind of going through the sales wasn't necessarily the hardest part for me. Um, I have a pretty good time talking with people. I was a goalie my entire life. So I was used to talking to people 24 seven and going to therapy myself for probably two or three years knowing myself, knowing my own emotions, being able to dissect those made me, made it really easy for me to empathize with other people going through their own struggles. Um, but the second one is, I believe it's like the imposter syndrome of actually coaching the client. So like, yeah, you've sold them and there's like a great, huge dopamine hit when you sell a new client. Cause it's great. You know, you got money coming in, but then there's the second stage of imposter syndrome coming in where it's like, okay, now I have to give them the result that they paid for. And sometimes, like you said, when it comes to business, getting those results might not be in your control. And for the most part, they really aren't in your control. Either the client's going to do what you want them to do or they're not. And for coaches or people out there in the service industry where they might not be getting a ton of results at the beginning stages of their coaching for whatever reasons there might be, and then imposter syndrome pops up with their ability to get results, not just the ability to actually get them in the door. 
what advice would you have to somebody who might be dealing with that second stage imposter syndrome? Um, I'd say just trust yourself. I mean, I know it's hard, um, but do everything in your power to bring that person results so you don't have the regrets of letting them down. Mm-hmm. Go above and beyond for that client, especially if you're just getting started and you're, it's your first five, five to 10 clients, you don't really have any social proof. Like go above and beyond for that client. Do the little things that you would do for yourself or want a coach to do for you and replicate it. Make sure that at the end of that, they're giving you a stellar review. They're, they're hyping you up. They want to continue with you even though the contract is up. Give them every reason not to leave you and don't hold anything back, especially getting started because this will help your confidence in knowing that if people aren't tracking for fitness coaches, if they're not tracking their meals, if they're being super unreliant and they're not communicating properly, but you're the one communicating properly, you're staying on top of them. You're making sure it's like, Hey, it's check-in day. You're like, you're doing all the things that you could possibly do to get them successful. And in the end, if they try to place blame on you, you can fire right back at them because you have the proof in the pudding. You can be like, yo, I did everything I humanly possibly could to get your results, but you pushed back. You did this, you did this. And as long as you have the proof, there's there's nothing to be afraid of. Mm. So always go above and beyond for your clients. Always do everything that you possibly can at the beginning. Stretch yourself then, like bend over backwards for clients. Do everything you can to get the social proof to show that you are that coach and to build the relationships, to build the possible future referrals to actually get this little baby of a business going. And then from there, you can see, okay, my clients don't really reciprocate when I do this, when they don't reciprocate when I do this. And then you can start dialing things back and really prioritizing and structuring your business more sound than just being a stretched, a stretched thin shit show at the beginning. Because <laughs> you kind of have to when you're getting things off the ground. You have to go above and beyond for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a great answer, dude. Um, and then I guess last one that I would have for you today, man, would just be, you know, it's probably a two-part question. I think I know the answer to the second one because it's easy. But before you had your baby, why were you doing all this? What got you? Why did you want to start all this? What got you into wanting to make fuck you money? Like you talked about on Peyton's podcast, like where where did the drive come from for you at the beginning before you had the kid? a criminal record yeah yeah it put a pretty big chip on my shoulder to go out there to prove to people that that's not who i am and the only way for people to see me is if i make a lot of money and so the more money that i make i can freaking throw my face up on a billboard in utah and be like look what i do so i would not do that but uh figure of speech i guess you could say is like i just want to make a lot of freaking money to show and give back and once we break that seven figure mark, we're going to start our own charity. We're going to start giving back in things and like really just doing good for this world. So there's not a lot of people out there that are doing it. So I think that chip of going to jail <laughs> started it. And then just actually seeing a lot of people that do make a lot of money, don't give back. They 
they just they get greedy with their money once they taste six multiple six and seven figures and so I think that's just at like compounded to it and now that I do have a daughter it's even more of a driving factor to show that like her daddy's a good human and that I would do anything for anybody um as long as like we have a good relationship like I'd drop anything to do anything for anybody and that's how life should be we should love Mm -hmm. everybody so well sweet dude all right actually last last question I have why a farm in Arizona (laughs) what made you want to own a farm I, I, I grew up on like a miniature farm. Okay. So I, uh, I had horses Well, my grandpa had horses growing up. And so when I got down here, my buddy picked up and moved to Georgia and I started watching his animals for him while he found a place over there to where he could transfer them. And then my wife and I fell in love with his horses. And I was like, you know what? Like we should just start our own like why not and she was on board with it and she was like yeah i love horses like let's do it and i was like well no going back now like if the wife's on board you got to do it <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so true <laughs> well awesome oh. dude well hayden man i appreciate you coming on and spending this last hour with me and kind of just sharing your story to the listeners and kind of letting people hear you know how you could have gone from where you were at 19 to 26 it's only seven years you know and in seven years time, you've completely done a 180 on everything that's going on. You know, I'm sure when you were younger, you probably wanted to be a pro football player. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. Same okay. here. It, the, the, okay. For me, the dream's still alive. I'm still trying to make it as a pro soccer player eventually. I think it's going to happen. Um, but to hear you be able to do, to go from that situation, all the accusations to where you are now is truly inspiring for all the listeners and even for me just to hear kind of more and more into what it was like for you to go through those phases um so i appreciate you coming on the show man and we will definitely be keeping in contact more and more um for the listeners out there i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast if you did shoot hayden a message uh hayden you your instagram just hayden wickers right mm-hmm. yeah instagram's hayden wickers Mine's Chris Page. You guys know that. So I will talk to you guys on the next episode and we will see you later. Peace.